there, and welcome to Live from the Cyber Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage the issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cyber Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. After you listen, make sure to follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to Live from the Cyber Institute. My name is David Kenipe. I'm the Associate Director uh, here at the Cyber Institute, and I am very excited today uh, to be sitting down with Laura Callerman and Ian Shelburne, two members uh, of the Eden Center for Regenerative Culture. Uh, and if you're thinking, I don't know what that is, you are in the right place because we're going to talk about it uh, and you're going to get to hear straight from them about this exciting uh, initiative ministry and all the things uh, that are happening. So, Laura and Ian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We are glad y'all are here. Uh, so because we have such a wide audience, right, we have people from in Abilene, in Texas, of course, and, and far beyond. Uh, I'd love for y'all to just tell us a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll get right to hearing about the Eden Center. So Laura, would you like to start? Sure. Um, so I am 39 years old. I grew up in Northwest Arkansas, moved to beautiful Abilene, Texas mm-hmm. in t- 2009 to do a master's degree here. Um, met my husband here, stuck around, uh, just recently finished a doctor of ministry last fall. And uh, we've got three kiddos and are committed to life in Abilene for the long term future because of the community that we've built here. That's great. Well, and I have loved knowing y'all for quite a long time and uh, just grateful for, for you. Glad y'all are here in Abilene doing what you're doing. Thanks. So Ian, tell us some about yourself. All right. So uh, I am 59 years old, Okay. which uh, kind of speaks to the fact that we are an intergenerational that's right. community, and uh, that's one of our core values. So I'm glad they let oldsters like me be, be part of things. And uh, I've got uh, seven kids, mostly grown up, and started in on the grandkids, so that's pretty cool. Lived in Abilene since coming back from uh, being a missionary in Uganda for a number of years, uh, oh, about 12 years ago now, mm-hmm. 13 maybe, I, I lose track. Um, but we are here and part of the Eden community and do some adjunct teaching here at ACU. And, I'm kind of a true addict to going back to school periodically throughout my life, so I did a few degrees at Abilene Christian and went and did a doctorate at Texas Tech in agricultural mm-hmm. communication and education, and I think I'm done with the expensive types of education. Okay. I'm doing the cheaper versions. Now. Okay, I hope, I hope so. <laughs> well, and I, I have not known y'all as long, but I've known uh, two of your kids over the last several years, uh, just through some ACU main, means and some church connections, and uh, so have been really enjoying getting to know you as well uh, in some other ways. Um, so one thing that uh, folks who are connected with cyber, uh, whether it's with our newsletter, our podcast, uh, even just conversations that we have with churches, right, we know that there are a lot of folks out there who are just generally worried about the state of the church, right? Whether it's uh, attendance numbers are down after COVID and they didn't bounce back, or we're worried about the younger generation. And, you know, th- there's just, just concerns out there in a lot of ways, especially for church as it's traditionally done. Um, but one of the things that we also know, but we haven't talked about a lot, is that there are a lot of people in the world who are experimenting with uh, either kind of some fresh expressions of Christianity or some intentional community. Uh, and in some ways, this is kind of both of those, as you guys have told me about it. It's more maybe intentional community that's manifesting some things uh, about new expressions of Christianity. Um but it would probably be better for y'all to tell our audience rather than for me to talk about the things that I don't know. So uh, tell us some about the Eden Center. The name is the Eden Center for Regenerative Culture. So what is it? Tell us about it. 
Sure. Well, the Eden community itself is a community of currently five families Mm -hmm. who have committed to sharing life together for the long term as we pursue um, what God is doing in our lives and inviting us into. Um, Intentional Christian community is essentially a group of people who practice really an uncommon level of sharing of both their life and their resources on the basis of their shared vision and Christian commitments. And so that's how we identify is this community of people who are committed to following Jesus together Mm -hmm. in all that we do. Um, And out of that, particularly because of the the gifting and the passion and the experience of the particular people who make up this community, we've really found a role for ourselves in nurturing other expressions of Christian community, especially Mm -hmm. small faith community and people who are wanting to step into a more intentional way of pursuing God in an everyday kind of fashion in community. And so we find ourselves in kind of a a teaching and training and nurturing kind of role for people who are seeking those kinds of opportunities, walking alongside others to help equip them. And so that's what the Eden Center is kind of about, is this expression of our training work together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in a physical location, we've got some land outside of Abilene that is one location where we do that, but also just in a broader sense of walking alongside people as they explore and pursue what God is leading them into. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, when we were talking uh, beforehand and kind of in preparing for this, uh, we also discussed the the regenerative culture parts mm-hmm. of things. Um, and Ian, I think this is a part that especially fits maybe some of your background. W- what do you all mean by regenerative culture? What, what's, what, what does that part of the name signify for us? Well, I'll see if I can condense about a day and a half worth of a class into, sure, absolutely. <laughs> in, into, into a shorter explanation. Um, for one thing, the word culture is important to us mm-hmm. because um, it, it signifies you know, an overall way of life. It's not just a siloed expression of religiosity or faith practice, but it encompasses decision-making and relationships and a relationship with, with nature and, and all, all of those kind of things. Yeah. So it's very broad. And the idea of uh, the word regenerative sometimes is best understood in comparison and some contrast with the word sustainable. Okay. Now, sustainable has been a buzzword for you know, quite a, sure. a couple, three decades now. Absolutely. We all want to be sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to be wasting stuff and all that. And it, it's it's a really helpful and a good word as, as an ideal for how to live, you know, less wastefully. But the, when you relate sustainable to a degraded situation, for example, whether it's human mm-hmm. society or relationships and community or church or the natural world, you don't necessarily want to sustain that right. condition, right? You, you, you want it to have some uplift or some, some regeneration. I mean, that's kind of a theological term as well. Mm-hmm. We, the idea of new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, and think places like that. So it ties in very nicely with theology in, in a sense. But the word regenerative probably has been more commonly used in the last uh, 30 or 40 years in agricultural right. settings, right? And so you've heard it a lot there, but it's kind of migrated out. And now it's becoming a bit of a buzzword in lots of different contexts as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, we think of regenerative culture as being a, a way to provide some of that uplift if we find, you know, some brokenness in the world around us in whatever way it manifests, if it's in community, in human society, or the natural world, uh, to kind of restore and to kind of build back to a, to, to a better condition and then to be sustainable at that, at that level, if not to continue to even, even grow more and more. And one thing that we're really fond of is the idea, and this really belongs to Dr. Kent Smith, who's part of our community as well, and he would say this if he were here, I'm pretty sure, the only regenerative power in the world, truly regenerative, that actually gives more, produces more than you put into it, is the love of God and mm-hmm. the life of God, which is dear to all of us who are Christ followers, mm-hmm. right? And so we, we are pretty invested in the idea that if we lean into the life of God in an everyday, comprehensive, holistic way, 
and let that be the, the dynamic of our lives, then what we do will be regenerative. It will produce more than we're able to do by ourselves. Mm -hmm. it, will, it will surpass sustainability and, and, and ramp up. So. Yeah. So this is not what you're talking about directly, but it, what it makes me think of, I heard someone years ago say, you know, we, we sometimes say that, you know, when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, you know, did he resurrect him? And this person said, no, 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 he resuscitated him. <laughs> you know, it was four days later, it was mm -hmm. unusual resuscitation, but it's different from the resurrection of Jesus. Right. And it, it sounds like that might kind of map onto sure. it a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that calling yourselves Eden is not an accident. Um, and what you're describing makes me think in some ways, you know, about the new Jerusalem as sort of an, as, as a new Eden in some ways that we're getting to participate in that right now is kind mm -hmm. of a foretaste. Yeah. And the, the sense of Eden being not just about the garden of Eden kind of mm -hmm. paradigm, but about the root word meaning there of delight and joy. Mm -hmm a life of delight and joy and love that is regenerative and introduces that vitality that is so lacking in so many ways in our own lives and in the world around us. Right. And, and it's God's love to bear. Yeah. Right. And it's relational as yes. well. I mean, right. Yeah. Remember that it's not good for, for a person mm -hmm. to be alone. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, that Eden is a place of, of community and, and something that, that God is building. Well, uh, I know for me, everything I know about the Eden Center always just makes me think this, this just sounds amazing. So uh, I'm guessing some of our audience members are in that same boat and they're probably wondering how this all got started. Um, I know it's been around for a while, but not forever. So tell us some of the story, if you will. Yeah, sure. So this year we're actually celebrating our 10th year anniversary. Right. So that's kind of okay. fun for us to reflect back on all that has happened over those 10 years. Um, so the Eden community was originally begun by three families. Mm -hmm. We kind of were in relationship with each other already, as well as obviously with other people in our lives and began exploring some conversations about um, doing life together in a more purposeful kind of way with the vision of um, offering some teaching and training and hospitality kinds of experiences through a retreat center and training facility. So we began those conversations probably 11 years or so ago. And through that process of uh, talking more deeply and discerning the relationships, there were three families that began the Eden community back in 2013. Okay. And um, two of those families were uh, younger at the time, a decade ago, so 29 mm -hmm. or so at that time, my family and another young couple. And then another of those families was uh, Dr. Kent Smith, who Ian has already mm -hmm. mentioned, and his wife, Karen, who were at that point in their uh, late 50s, early 60s. Okay. And so already intergenerational in that. So Kent had been a mentor of the other two families during our time in graduate school here at ACU. Mm -hmm. And we had been exploring the ideas of house church and intentional Christian community alongside each other, kind of in a parallel experience of us um, working through an apprenticeship with Kent okay. at the grad level. And really the, that formed the basis of those relationships that solidified into the Eden community. But each of us as individuals and as couples had been on a trajectory toward deeper community for some time with um, some of the younger ones of us having been exploring what does community look like? How can we serve God on mission, whether that is abroad or here in the States? What does it look like for us to be people of good news in our current location? And some of us had experimented with living life in community together, even in one house mm -hmm. in one of the neighborhoods here in Abilene. And there were some really amazing things about that. There were also areas in which we sensed a great need for growth and um, guidance. Sure. 
And there were some hard things that we experienced that it was a blessing to come alongside somebody like Kent, who at that point had spent 20 plus years teaching and training North American mission teams and had seen so much and gained so much wisdom, he and Karen both, that they had to offer us, but also us together being able to offer from what we had learned to bless other people. And so after yeah several months or so of conversation with this group of people that was coming together, it became clear that these three families wanted to commit to doing life together with each other. And so um, we began to kind of deepen those relationships, establish a sense of um, what was the core vision that we had and the way we were going to go about kind of meeting that. And we, we settled on the vision of seeing a vibrant family of Jesus in close reach of everyone worldwide. Mm. Obviously, that's beyond our capacity to mm-hmm. do, right? But we see our part in that as walking alongside other people to nurture those kinds of ecosystems of God's love in their own lives, teaching, training in that role. Um, and so we began to kind of take steps forward in that, discerning what God was putting in front of us as far as opportunities, um, pursuing those possibilities, and also as other people came along, mm-hmm. discerning together with them over time if they were a good fit to be part of this community that God had called us together with each other. And that's how we ended up with Ian and his lovely wife, Danetta, and the other couple, Dan and Brenda, as well. Okay, yeah, because like, Ian, you, you were not named in the list of the uh, of the originals here. so. Uh, you already told us a little bit about your background in mission work. So how did you get connected? What what, what attracted you uh, and Danetta to this way of living? Yeah. Well, I think it had a lot to do with uh, some very formative experiences that, that we had had in our journey together prior to uh, 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 connecting with the Eden community. Um, I had grown up overseas and my parents were missionaries in the 60s and 70s in Malawi. So I was born over there and grew up most of my teenage years until we moved back and I finished high school in the States. <laughs> Um, and then had the opportunity later on to work uh, with my wife Danetta in Malawi for about three years and then later on for about 13 years in Uganda and be part of mission teams there. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd probably highlight the experience of being uh, embedded in, in mission teams as being experiences of very deep community, very meaningful relationships and very interdependent mm-hmm. uh, of necessity. Um, and experiencing a lot of you know really exhilarating things and also really painful things but doing it together and, yeah. and knowing how it transforms those experiences when you can do them together mm-hmm. uh, the positive and the negative ones in, in a way so one of the common experiences of people who are uh, deeply connected with the mission team when they come back to the the u.s is that they usually don't immediately find or maybe ever even find something that approximates that level of intimacy and close connectedness mm-hmm. and we we are more blessed than many in the sense that we have a really great network of people who love and care for us here in the in the states but our our observation is um based on experience is that some of the rules, I guess, for interactions in, in, in at least commonplace church culture, even fairly healthy churches, tends to be somewhat superficial. I mean, there definitely are deeper relationships that, that are formed through small groups and people who know each other well. But your general Sunday morning experiences doesn't go much deeper than, hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to see you. Okay, okay. we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And so <clears throat> we we're just sort of dealing with that and Mm -hmm. we we came back and we weren't sure how long we'd be in the states we initially had planned to be back overseas and that didn't work out so we were just kind of uh, thinking about what's next and Mm -hmm. as the years were going by we're about three or four years into that experience and became aware that uh, Kent and Karen had begun this sort of uh, Christian community uh, called Eden and I was really interested and had several conversations with Kent about what that was like and I thought that really reminds me of the kind of really uh, deep and, and healthy and, and life-giving 
relationships we have experienced on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that people did that kind of thing here in the U.S. And so um, that kind of sparked our interest and we began um, interacting with the community and meeting with them from time to time and uh, discerned along with the, the community over a period of over a year, I guess, or so that, that this would be a good fit for our mm -hmm. family to join in with. So, yeah, good alignment. And it's it's felt um, very much like a continuation of that journey that we began, you know, in mission team experience. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I very much, I feel like I understood what you meant when you said uh, mission teams sort of on the mission field, right? It, this is audio, right? So you can't see the quotation marks that I'm putting around <laughs> that phrase, you know, out there, in other words, you know, you said we're, we're interdependent by necessity. And I think so often here in the West, we think that we don't have the necessity mm -hmm. for yes. that kind of deep community. Um, we wouldn't say we need to do this by necessity or this is Eden is happening by necessity because the world needs it and we need it. But I suspect that there is a lot more necessity there than we realize. So, uh, so, so tell us about what, what life looks like. I mean, what are some of the, what are some of the rhythms for you guys uh, at, at this point, right? Because, and you've even already mentioned that there's been some, some different phases. So day yeah. to day, week to week, month to month. Well, I actually want to come back to what you were saying just before mm -hmm. you asked that question and then get to the question. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's it's easy to think that we don't have the necessity for that deep level of community mm -hmm. or to think that we have that kind of community. Mm. But then when whenever times are hard, we realize that we don't yeah. or that it just stays at a superficial enough level throughout life that we don't even recognize the distinction between that and deep, intimate connection mm -hmm. with other people. Um, and that was um, that was a lot of what led to the formation of the Eden community as well. And I would mm. say this particularly from Kent's perspective, and I've heard him say this probably dozens of times, so I feel like I can represent him well on uh -huh. this. But he said that especially in his training with people who were in a graduate level theological program, training to become ministers, there was even so much brokenness still there because oh, yeah. of their experiences throughout life and in their even in their own church experiences and their North American individualistic paradigm mm -hmm. that even his attempts to help them form community with each other as mission teams were very difficult because people had trust issues and were coming from such broken backgrounds that they didn't know how to form deep healthy relationships and had not often seen that modeled. Right. There was a deep need for intergenerationality among these young people who had been formed from birth in almost exclusively peer relationships mm -hmm. going into school. And very rarely had they been deeply discipled in a relationship intergenerationally. And then there was also a lack of covenant commitment to community and God's calling that would supersede and trump that kind of hyper-individualistic drive of I'm going to go do what I want to do with the best job and the best place to be. And so people didn't know how to be community together because all of these elements and others, of course, and in varying levels in different individuals' lives were coming together to shape them into people. And I include me in the them there. <laughs> like This right. is absolutely my story too. Right. To shape us into people who had not the first clue about what it meant to be actual, true, deep sustaining community over the long haul. Yeah. And so that was a huge part of the impetus of the formation of the Eden community and is also um, what led to our mission statement really being a two-part mission statement. And I didn't really highlight this earlier, but our mission is to be a vibrant family of Jesus mm -hmm. ourselves 
first, foremost, undergirding everything that is central. And from that foundation to equip others Mm -hmm. for that same kind of life, whatever that might look like. And it may take on so many diverse expressions. It ought to. But the being and the equipping are both part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so those are also reflected. And to come back to your other question about kind of our, our everyday life, those are also reflected in the elements of who we are and how we live into the rhythms of our lives. So there are probably a variety of ways that we could frame what it looks like practically, logistically Mm -hmm. to be part of the Eden community. And we are absolutely not saying like, this is the one right way that everybody ought to take on. And it's also um, develop, it it develops for us also over time as Mm -hmm. we enter into different seasons with different needs and discover different things about ourselves. But we have adopted kind of a a rhythm of life or a regular, as some Mm -hmm. people would call it, where we have essentially five different time-bound categories and some practices that fit into those. So we have two daily practices, two weekly practices, two monthly, two quarterly, and two yearly practices. And there is a kind of a commitment to live into these practices imperfectly because we're imperfect human beings, Mm -hmm. but to um, aspire to these things. And so the daily practices really are the most central to who we are. And they're things that are accessible to everyone. Um, Solo time with God, as close to daily as possible, whatever that might look like. And it could look very different for different people, but a commitment to spend time with the creator Mm -hmm. in a way that is life-giving and centers us for everything else that we do. And a commitment to um, heart-level connection with one other person on as close to daily of basis as possible. So we call um, that checking in or church of two. And so finding a chance to kind of share where your heart is at, to practice appreciation for what God is doing among in your life and among the circumstances you find yourself in. And also spending time listening to what mm-hmm. God might have to say to us. So those kind of form the core um, heartbeat of the rhythms of our lives. And then there are other um, practices that we have as well. The, the weekly connection among us as an entire community and a weekly kind of connection among the bands of brothers and the bands of sisters. Now, mm-hmm. again, some of those things look different at different seasons. And everybody knows that COVID threw everything off and oh, had sure. made you have to rethink how to do anything and everything. Absolutely. And so we're still kind of trying to find our ways into what is the right fit for right now. after having had ways of living into these practices over time that may or may not fit us right now. But those are kind of also central is that idea of regular connection with each other on a heart level. Now we see each other way more often than weekly, (laughs) daily essentially, Hmm. but making sure that there is that commitment and that rhythm of weekly connection as a community and weekly connection on a smaller level as well. Um, Our monthly practices have varied a little bit from season to season. Currently, I would say we have kind of a monthly uh, commitment to a work day where we share and work together out on the land that we have Mm because we've got some projects going on out there that we really want to develop. And it's also fun to work together and to get my three-year-old working with a 55-year-old and just having a grand old time together. It's really sweet. And then a practice to uh, commit to some recreation together because play is an essential element Mm -hmm. of healthy life together. And when you don't have it, Um, things can just get so serious so much of the time, at least for some of us. Some of us tend more that direction than others. And so some recreation and some play through game nights or stargazing nights or things like that. Um, We've got a quarterly commitment to a longer, um, maybe like three or four hour gathering where we do some communal prayer, checking in, um, celebration of what God has done over the past 
quarter and kind of looking forward to the next quarter and discerning some things together, but also doing that on an individual basis. Um, every person is is seeking the opportunity to, at least a couple of times a year, step away from the demands of their life, get some extended time with God for a day, a day and a half, mm-hmm. something like that. Half day might be all that's manageable in the stage of having, having young kids, right. whatever it is that's manageable, but a commitment to really seeking that space of peace and of Sabbath and of reflection and connection with God. And then yearly, um, a retreat that we have together and a a desire to have a festival. And we have kind of a yearly small festival that we host out on our land for Mm -hmm. our our fall festival and lantern walk, where we've picked up some traditions from other communities that we love and kind of made those our own. So all of those put together really form rhythms of daily existence and kind of um, calendar year kind of rhythms that sustain us in these relationships of joy and of purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, There are other elements of who we are and what our schedules look like and how that works itself out, but that's kind of the the core way that we've expressed that. Yeah, so some of the things I teach at ACU here are, are church history classes. And so, I mean, it probably won't be a surprise to you guys to hear me say this, as, as I listen to you d- describe things, I'm strongly reminded of uh, rhythms in monastic movements mm-hmm. um, over time. Um, you know, and, th- and there have been different ones, some that are more urban, some that are more sort of out and away. Um, but, you know, in some ways, you're making me think that the Eden Center is sort of like, what if we took a monastery and sort of flipped it inside out and made it not a cloister, but open mm-hmm. to the community? And there are people that are committed regular members and there are others that come and intersect at different times um but like like the ascetics you all have learned that it's important to have those sorts of rhythms because otherwise like you said just life kind of takes over and there you don't end up making the time for it so if it's these are regular things and that's it's going to be a lot easier to accomplish some of those goals. Sure. And we're not immune to that uh, challenge as well. We find ourselves sometimes finding life taking over mm-hmm. and having to recenter in that. But having an agreed upon way of life that we have individually and as families, but also as a community committed to, it calls us back to being who we want to be mm-hmm. and living in the in the rhythms that are good for us. Right. Um, and that's a really helpful blessing in yeah. our lives. So, I mean, everything that you guys have been saying, we've already talked about, I mean, connections with theology and church life that, you know, all of this grows so strongly out of the Christian tradition, but you haven't said, and now the next project is we're going to build a church building mm-hmm. and we're going to have services. And, and I imagine that for some folks, when they hear about what you're doing, that's probably a, a conversation that comes up. But as, as we've talked about it, you all said that, um, that there's kind of a, some amount of diversity even among the family groups that are part of your community as far as how people connect with more traditional, more established, whatever we want to say, kind of church bodies. Would you would you tell us some about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, one of the one observation is based on what Laura has been describing: uh, the fairly regular, frequent, intentional uh, interaction with each other and, and with God. It feels as though we are doing some form of church all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's true of anybody who's a Christ follower, you know, even, even if someone has primarily a worship rhythm of going to church on Sunday or something like that. But but it really does feel that we're sort of living as the, the body of Christ on a pretty much a daily basis. And we, we don't usually even have business meetings without checking in with each other and, and some, some, some attention to the, to the Lord as well. And so mm-hmm. um, the need for is that having an edifice or having a structure that, that we go and enter, you know, once a week or something, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that, I suppose, but we don't necessarily feel it 
being that, that critically important mm -hmm. to do. And another reason for that is, and you've alluded to this, is that um, different ones of us have different networks that we brought to the community that mm -hmm. we already had before that, different things we were doing by way of following Jesus and with other people in various relationships. And rather than severing those things and saying, oh, now we've you know found the one thing that we want to do and we're not going to pay attention to those people anymore. Right. Um, part of the heartbeat of Eden Community and what we believe in is loving all good relationships and wanting to treasure those mm -hmm. and whatever God has placed us into to celebrate that. And so a couple of our families are, are very much involved as members in local congregations here in mm -hmm. Abilene. Um, and, uh, one a primarily white congregation and one a primarily black congregation. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we, we get a lot of blessing from that those, those associations, both the people who are involved in our community gets a lot of input uh, from that. And then we have others who are, have been kind of leaning into more of a house church form of mm -hmm. you know, family worship or with a couple of families together and that sort of a thing. So we, we kind of have a spectrum going on of different kinds of um, traditional worship practices or less traditional worship practices, but we, we value all of those and we haven't in any way felt like, oh, it has to be this way or that way. Mm -hmm. We have had, I've had people express surprise uh, to me that you mean, even though you're part of an intentional Christian community, you're, you're still part of a regular church as well? And I would say, yeah, that makes yeah. sense to me. And they're saying, really? As if I had two heads or something like that. Yeah. Saying, no, it's it's just a way of loving the people that God has put us in the midst of and wanting to be a blessing because um, community is has many different levels and many different expressions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and to our audience, you know, my, my hunch is that if this is something that kind of strikes your fancy and you start to start to do some research in Google uh, around, you know, you're going to find lots of different models of this. I mean, there are some intentional communities where it, it is the church or it's part of the church or it functions as a small group within the church and others that are not connected at all. And um, I, I appreciate that uh, y'all haven't felt the need at this point to sort of dictate or prescribe. It's been more, I mean, as with so much of what you've been describing, just organic and and changing over time mm -hmm. um, i mean I, as i know y'all stories just individually it hasn't been the same for these 10 years and things have ebbed and flowed and shifted and um like that that allows you to be you know the business world might say nimble but in church we might just say able to respond to the prompting of the spirit in yes. different ways yeah and i think that's a really important element of it is that none of that is just on a whim mm -hmm. all of it is with careful attention to our own hearts to the hearts of the people who make up this community and the circumstances of our lives, and most importantly, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in our lives. Paying attention in the pursuits that we take on, especially whenever they're life-changing kind of pursuits, but really even in the small things, like paying attention to what is God inviting us into. And that's a core element of how we approach any and all of the training that we do and, and the um, apprenticeship kind of things that we, we pursue with other people is that it's not about a cookie cutter kind of approach. It's about the God who creates diversity and creatively contextualizes for our sake and invites us into that same practice for mm -hmm. the sake of blessing the world and responding in truth to the uniqueness of who God made us as individuals and as, as communities. And so it's all about attention to what is God doing and what is God inviting me into and paying attention to the circumstances of our lives and our sense of calling or vocation and identity, the relationships that surround us, the opportunities that are in front of us. And that is never going to be a rubber stamp kind of approach. Right. It's always going to be a one-off, unique iteration of the goodness of God. And our role in walking alongside others is not to say, this is the one right way and you ought to do it our way. Mm -hmm. It's to say, what is God showing you? And how is God inviting you into something that is 
incredibly unique and how can we help you discover that and help you find health and joy in the midst of that yeah well, that is wonderful okay so we, we've talked some past we've talked some present um what is on the near term horizon for eden tell, tell us some about the future i mean I, it, I imagine from what we've just been saying it's hard to say here are the plans right. <laughs> but are there are there dreams are there opportunities that are already sort of um you know sort of in utero the, the, the little seedlings are starting to come up out of the ground i might mention something that's sort of a bridge between what laura was just sharing mm -hmm. about you know the way that we function as community and, and, and flexibility and the diversity that, that fosters and that can probably lead into maybe some things that uh, we are hoping for in the next um, near to near to midterm um you mentioned earlier, Laura, that, that one of the things that, that kind of sparked the beginning of the community was one of the challenges, I guess, or the difficulties of trying to help people form teams for ministry or whether it's domestic or overseas was a, a shallow understanding of covenant, the kind of commitment that would actually say this is more important than whatever may come across my radar mm. because I'm committed to these people and this, this mission of this vocation. And so we, we do have a covenant that has different forms, that, a really short form of it is. Um, Jesus is Lord, and we will follow him as we discern the leading of his spirit together. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch in there, a lot, a lot to be unpacked. Oh, yeah. But um, that really is, is, is the genesis of the diversity we've been talking about, is mm -hmm. because we expect that we are going to be discerning a leading, and we're going to be following Jesus who's going somewhere. Right. <laughs> so, so that means we will not be in the place that we are now exactly doing what we are right now, forever mm -hmm. uh, it will depend on that leading and so we discern it together though it's not just me and jesus you know figuring it out so anyway so thinking of that what are some of the things that we've been kind of discerning yeah so what the future holds is i'm assuming at some level connected to what the present holds mm -hmm. um and so for us always at the at the center of what we have experienced god inviting us into has been some level of training, nurturing, community among others. Okay. Now, that is because the unique gifting that we have within our community, and that's going to be different for every single community, gifted by God and called by God for a certain purpose. But that seems to be what we've been discovering and discerning. And that's taken on a variety of different forms over the years, um, but we've done a lot of work with college students mm -hmm. at the undergraduate level and currently at the graduate level, partly because of our, our passion in that direction and experience, and partly because of the context we find ourselves sure. in with a lot of college students surrounding us. And so currently we are a year and a half essentially into um, a fellowship program that's a 10 month long fellowship program called Eden Fellows, where we take a small cohort each year of people who are seeking to step more fully into their understanding of identity and vocation and how to live on mission with God, whatever that looks like in community. So they may go off and be a lawyer or a third grade teacher or an accountant or, you know, who knows, maybe mm -hmm. a minister or a missionary. But helping them uh, step into ways to do that healthily and walking alongside them for 10 months and then, you know, eternally thereafter, right. but an official 10 months together of really deeply diving into those questions and uh, promptings and discernment together. So Eden Fellows is one of the things that we're certainly focusing a lot on right now and hope to continue into the future. Yeah. We also, um, through a variety of roundabout conversations came to the opportunity to purchase an 18 unit low-income housing apartment complex in downtown Abilene okay. last December. So that's been kind of a new development for us and we are trying to faithfully follow God's leading into what our role there looks like. We know that at the very least it looks like being good 
um, landlords mm-hmm. and good owners of this property to provide a quality living experience for people who need that here in Abilene. But we also wonder if there's some sort of opportunity for community development mm-hmm. that may happen there. We aren't predicting that, but we're trying to be attentive to that and to faithfully step into that if and as God shows us that that's a direction to take, while also pursuing the training work that we um, are deeply passionate about through things like workshops and consultations and seminars and things like that. Um, Kent has written several books, so there's other resources out there. I've got a 300-page long thesis if anybody really is bored and wants to read that. And, and we'll, folks, you'll get a recommendation on how to find that here in just a minute. <laughs> or how so, to avoid it. so wait with bated breath, and we, <laughs> we'll right. be there soon. Everybody's favorite, a 300-page long thesis. Um, and then, really, it is, as I said, our twofold mission statement. The more important part of that is to be a vibrant family of Jesus ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so each year we kind of identify ways in which we want to step more deeply into that mission. And this year in particular, we identified a need to recenter ourselves in rhythms and relationships of joy. So that's like our our statement of our aims for the year of 2023. Um, And so finding ways to really hone those relationships and build those relationships that we have internally as a community and and continually anchor ourselves in things like our rule of life mm-hmm. and the practices that we share, the rhythms that are important to us. That's been a major pursuit for us as well. Um, one of the things that is one of the things that I love about our community is that we have experience with and opportunities in a variety of different expressions of communal life. Mm-hmm. Now we've got our Eden Center land, our 93 acres of land out of Ab- outside of Abilene that we hope at some point to build a training facility and some homes on for some of the community members. So we've got kind of a rural expression of community there. We also have this Carver Townhomes apartment development mm-hmm. where we're kind of attending to about as suburban or about as urban of a context as you can get in Abilene. Right. But then we also, at the moment, have a very distributed community within the Abilene um, neighborhoods. For the most part, we've got one family that does live out on the land, but the other four families live all within the Radford Hills neighborhood mm-hmm. here in Abilene. And two of the families, mine being one of them, having shared a house for the past year and a half. Um, and so we've experimented with and lived into different ways of being community ourselves within that always seeking to build those relationships and center ourselves in relationships of joy and of thriving and of deep connection and so i imagine that the future will hold more of those things Mm -hmm. further developments on all of those things and who knows what god will bring our way we're just going to try to pay attention and we're kind of along for the ride in some ways right well to, to our audience members i'm guessing that you are like me that this has been something that's been invigorating to overhear, but also maybe has sparked your imagination. And one thing that I think is is pretty clear, uh, Lauren Ian, is that you guys are not saying, uh, we have a kit and a book and a, and a process and we will mail it to you for 1995 right. and just open the box and here it goes. Right. Um, you know, but instead you're, you're trying to do, but also invite people to have imaginations and hearts that are open to the leading of God. And uh, for some of us by personality, that's hard. Uh, but for others of us, I think it could be something that can be so exciting. Uh, but then there's also some some fear of the unknown, maybe. And so I would imagine um, that there are people that would love to learn more about uh, about Eden, about you guys would like to reach out. Um, or you, you mentioned your thesis that people can read. So folks, we, there is a, at ACU, uh, we have a digital commons where you can find a whole variety of 
uh, ACU Connected Materials. But if you go to the ACU Digital Commons and search for Laura Callerman, C-A-L-L-A-R-M-A-N, you will find that there. Uh, but how else can they get in touch? Y'all have a website, a social media, email. What, what do you think is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Our website's probably the best way. It's okay. EdenCenter.org. EdenCenter.org. And um, you can find out a little bit more about us there. It's not always up to date because sure. we are 10 people with limited attention and a lot going on in our lives. But right. there's some good stuff there, and you could definitely contact us through that. Um, another thing that might be helpful to some people is that we do typically on about an annual basis host a five-day-long workshop where mm. we explore a lot of these things. And okay. no, it's not uh, here's all the answers and go apply it in your own context kind of experience, but we do offer a framework of story setting and system and 10 elements within that framework where we go kind of on a deep dive exploration of how the Eden community has engaged those elements, but also how people are experiencing that in their own lives and contexts and how to think through the framework of covenant for one or how they make decisions and rhythms of life and what their story as a community, whatever that community might be, is. Um, the net the the natural environment and um, built environment that they find themselves in. So lots of different lenses through which to explore mm -hmm. their own sense of culture and how regenerative culture might be coming to fruition in their place. So we can certainly um, explore those things in more depth. If anybody's interested, we would yeah. love to have them join us. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad that there is a place that people can go to connect. I mean, one thing that I think sometimes can happen is that we, we find out that, you know, in the kingdom, there are these little outposts and things are going on and there's not necessarily a way to learn more about it, but, but there are, there are ways that people can connect with you. And I'm really glad about that. Um, so Lori and Ian, thank y'all so much for spending time with me. I'm really glad that we've been able to have the conversation and, uh, to our audience members, glad that you have been able to overhear. Um, as y'all know, you can always find all of our podcast episodes at cyberinstitute.com podbean.com uh, and I hope you'll reach out and uh, connect with the Eden Center in some ways. So thanks for listening. Lauren Ian, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cyber Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cyberinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.